Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Well, hello, everyone. Can you believe we are in the final week of April? How is this happening? Anyway, 2023 is racing by. I'm super glad that you guys are here today. Thank you so much for tuning in because today we have a horror author on, and anyone who is a frequent listener knows that I geek out because that's my first love, and that was where I got my start. And any time that I can have a horror author on, I'm always like, yes, come. Anyway, I can't wait for you to meet Francesca Maria. She is fantastic. And if you haven't read her yet, I'm going to read her bio so that you can get to know her a little bit better. Francesca Maria writes dark fiction surrounded by cats near the Pacific Ocean. She's the creator of the Black Cats Chronicles comic book series and her short story collection, They Hide, short stories to tell in the dark, just came out this month from Bridget's Gate Press. So you can find it everywhere. You can also find out about her at her website. I did put a link to her website right there on the Blog Talk site. So you can click that and check out all of her work and also sign up for her newsletter so you don't miss a new release. I can't wait for you guys to check out the cover of this book. It's so spooky and glorious. So anyway, I don't want to delay anymore. Are you there, Francesca? I am. Yes. Hello, Lisa. Hi, thanks so much for coming on today. I'm very excited to read your short story anthology. Do you want to tell everybody about it and why they should go grab a copy? Sure, yeah. Um, So thank you so much for having me on. And They Hide Short Stories to Tell in the Dark is my love letter to horror tropes. Um, (laughs) Each story is, is focused on a particular beloved trope. There's a witch story, a vampire story, a werewolf story, a mummy story, ghost, a couple of possession demon stories in there just to kind of mix it up a little bit. Um, but I've it. always loved, yeah, I've, I've always loved the idea of a well-worn horror trope. And I, I kind of wanted to challenge myself and see, you know, what something, what's something new that I can say about a vampire? Can I say something or write about a vampire in a way that I haven't read before? Um, so it's kind of a challenge for me to come up with something new for all of these um, beloved, beloved horror tropes. Oh, my gosh. I love that. And I, too, am a lover of all of the horror tropes. And um, they just – there's a reason that horror never dies. But it's very fun right. to – I was perusing the table of contents of your book, and it looks like there's historical and there's – you know, contemporary, and it looks like you covered all the time periods, too. I did, yeah. Some of them go back kind of historical fiction stuff. I've got The Witch Story takes place in a Salem-like 1600s um, context. Um, It's a murder mystery. The vampire story takes place in kind of like more 18th century Ireland. Um, And then I've got a clown story that takes place more in modern times. So it's a mixture of places. It's a mixture of time periods. Um, I did a lot of research for the historical stuff, so I want to make sure I was as accurate as possible. Um, And so, yeah, it's each story. There's 13 stories in total, and each one is is very distinctly different, um, but they're all tied together by, you know, being focused on one or more particular tropes. 
I love that. And since you have a historical clown, I have to ask, do you watch American Horror Story? Did you watch the freak show season? Because that was you a know, scary clown. <laughs> yeah, I haven't brought that one yet. I need to, though. But, yeah, yes. I, I was drawing a lot of my inspiration from a lot of the real-life stuff. So um, with John Wayne Gacy's Pogo the Clown, oh, okay. um, mm-hmm. that was terrifying. Um, so yeah, I haven't caught up on, on that particular show just yet, but it's definitely on my list. Yes, for sure. You will enjoy it, but super creepy. (laughs) Historical circuses are just, they're, they're inherently creepy. Carnival on HBO is such a fabulous show, but very creepy, you know, when circuses were on the train tracks and stuff, it was very interesting, but highly recommend. <laughs> yeah, I will definitely check it out. Thank you. <laughs> so you also not only write horror short stories, but you also write comics. And I am a huge Comic-Con. Have you ever been to the Comic-Con in San Diego, the big one? Oh, have I? I've been going for about 25 years straight. Um, my husband and I, uh, (laughs) (laughs) so, so for 19 years, my husband and I co-owned black cat comics, which is a comic book store in Northern California. And so even before we owned the store, we were big comic book nerds. So we would go down to San Diego. I think we started going in like 96 or 97. Um, and up until COVID we went every single year. Wow. Yeah. I used to, I was a San Diego native. I'm not there right now, but I uh, went every single year and my kids went every single year. And it's just, it, the way that it spills out into all of downtown San Diego and all the restaurants become themed and it's just, it's so much fun. It is, it is incredibly fun. It's too much fun. I love how the town of San Diego just embraces all of us nerds that kind yes. of take over the city. But, no, yes, it's, it's sure. always a ton of fun, and it's, it's so many people. You know, it's kind of overwhelming at times how many people have started. In the beginning, it was like my husband and I and Neil Gaiman in a room, and I was just dying, <laughs> right? But. Um, But now, you know, you can't get into any of the panels. It's so packed. There's so many people there. So it's a little bit more of a challenge to to attend. And then once you are able to go, to actually do the things that you want to be able to do there. Yeah. But, you know, now, lately, there have been so many activities outside, too. And I love that because it sells out. And so people can... Even if you don't have a ticket, you can still participate because there's so many outside attractions as well. So I think it's really cool. A hundred percent. No, you're absolutely right. I've had a lot of customers that were our store, you know, store customers that would go down, didn't have a ticket, but would just go and hang out in the city during Comic-Con. And they had a blast. Right, right. There's so much to do. Well, you have a black, so Black Cat Comics was the store, but you also have a comic book series, right? Yeah. So after many years of being comic book retailers, my husband and I decided, you know, let's try our hand in publishing. So we launched Black Cat Publishing. um, And our first comic to come out of that is a series called Black Cat Chronicles. And they're true stories told by a mystical and mysterious black cat. Um, So think of like Tales from the Crypt, 
true stories instead of it being the Crypt Keeper, it's a black cat. Um, I and love each it. Issue, each issue is a standalone story of some really creepy, true stuff that's happened. Um, there are obscure stories. There are paranormal stories. There's a mystery involved. Um, the first issue takes place in the Greyfriars Cemetery in Scotland, which if you haven't been, go. It is the creepiest place. It's gothic. Um, all of the, you know, tombstones are ancient. You know, um, J.K. Rowling got a lot of her, her names for her Harry Potter series from the tombstones at this grave site. Um, wow. But it's known for being haunted and people get scratched and pushed. And there have been not one, but two exorcisms performed in the churchyard, um, and both were unsuccessful. Why would you try to do an exorcism where all of the spirits are? What? <laughs> Who planned that? <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you you got it was it was because so many tourists were getting um, assaulted on tours. Um, they'd asked the local chaplain to come and exorcise the yard from a particular evil spirit that they believe was oh, causing all the haunting. I see. But I see. Um, but the spirit said, "No, I'm good." <laughs> No, no, they're like, oh, aren't you cute? Yeah, no, uh-huh. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. No, <laughs> no. This is my place. Why you come in my house right. and kick me out? <laughs> That's right. Um, so, so yeah, that was the, the first issue. The second issue it takes place in a little town called Port Chatham, Alaska, where it's a fishing town, turn of the century, um, that just kind of ups and disappears. And there's some cryptid stuff in there, some mystery around, you know, what was lurking in the woods that might have caused. Um, the town did to vacate so quickly. Um, and then the most and recent issue. And that's a true story in Alaska, a town vanished? Story. Wow. Yep. I thought true that was story. just like Roanoke or what? what is it in Virginia, right? Roanoke. Yeah. No, yeah, no, but... there's, there's. Wow. Yeah. And in Alaska, just by itself is a creepy state. You know, more people go true. missing in Alaska four times more than the lower 48. And so, um, each of the comics that I, I we, each of the issues, we dive deep into the location first um, before we get into the, the main story. So I spent a lot of time researching Alaska. And let me tell you, it is a beautiful <laughs> and creepy place. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very remote. <laughs> very remote. Yeah. And then um, the third issue takes place in Antarctica where before, during, and after World War II, there was a ton of secret military missions. First started off by the Nazis and then the um, British uh, Army and Navy and then the U.S. Navy, and they, you know, supposedly ran into certain weird things down there, um, maybe potentially alien bases. So um, lots of creepy stuff happening in the South Pole as well. Gosh, I love that. That is... That is my jam. I love taking um, unsolved mysteries and giving it a paranormal twist. That just—that's so much fun. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm have and to again, it's all true. Yeah, and it's—it's it's all, all the stuff is true. So um, I've got uh, researched ad nauseum. I, t- I spent probably um, five times more time researching than actually writing and doing the comic. Um, and I can't take credit for the amazing art. The artist is a, a man by the name of Nate Olson, who's just phenomenal. Um, so I did the, the writing and the script and the idea for it, but he pulled together the beautiful visuals for it. 
I love that. And how is your husband involved in the publishing company? So he's the main publisher and also editor. So he helps with um, coordinating all the things. You know, if we do Kickstarter, he's helping with that, with the print runs, with the distribution, all the the behind-the-scenes kind of stuff. Oh, I love that. I love the team effort. Yeah. So do you like to go to the settings where these are, or are you just a really good Googler? Oh, both. So the Greyfriars Cemetery, I, I visited it in 2000, year 2000, and it just kind of stuck with me. Um, and so I did some research on it, and when it came time to do the comic, I'm like, I know exactly what the first issue is going to be about. <laughs> um, I did, I did the, you know, the the Mary King's Close tour, which is underground, which takes you to all the places that were walled off during the plague. I went to the Edinburgh Castle and did that tour. Um, we heard the story of the missing bagpiper who got lost in the tunnels, was never seen again. So there's, it's just chock full of gothic horror mystery um, and ghosts in, in Scotland. I think the whole country is haunted. I, I believe it. Yeah, it's on my bucket list to go to Scotland and Ireland on some trip someday, but I have not done it yet, but I still have more bucket time as far as I know. So (laughs) yes, I wrote down that cemetery. I love cemeteries anyway. I always go. So um, that one's definitely going to be on the list. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I haven't been to Alaska or Antarctica yet, but I would love to be able to travel to both. Yes, that would be cool. You know, my weird location that I need to go is Greenland. I don't know why, but mm-hmm. ever since like I was in fourth grade and they pulled down that Atlas map and I, I pointed at this big Island. I'm like, what's that? And my teacher said, that's Greenland. No one goes there. <laughs> I immediately was like, well, I'm going to, um, <laughs> so my whole life I've been <laughs> obsessed with Greenland and I'm from San Diego. I hate the cold, but my husband oh. understands <laughs> that someday my feet will be in Greenland. Um, <laughs> I don't know hey, why. Maybe but it was a past no life. Right? Maybe that's what you I'm spent thinking. a past life there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what mm-hmm. I'm thinking is I'm going to get there and go, oh, I'm home. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, out of all of the haunted sites that you've been to, do you have any favorites? Obviously, the cemetery in Scotland, but are there any other places that you visited that you're like, woo, because you, you are actually a psychic medium, so you probably get even more vibes than most going to haunted places. Yeah, you know, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I can turn it off pretty, pretty well, um, but yeah, speaking of San Diego, I had a, an experience at the Whaley House, which I know <gasps> it sounds like you worked at. I did. I was a volunteer docent oh. at the Whaley House for like eight years. I love the Whaley House. <laughs> the Me Whaley were good. too. <laughs> yeah. So then you can you can fill in you can fill in the color around this. So the Whaley House is supposedly haunted by um, a man who um, whose crime or punishment did not Yankee fit the crime. Jim. His name is right. Yankee Jim. Right. Mm-hmm. And according to history, and please correct me if I get it wrong. When they hung him, they didn't measure the rope right. And so the poor man dangled and strangled to death, and it was a horrible, long death. And it was just for stealing a boat. He was, like, just getting a rowboat, and he got caught stealing it. And it wasn't, again, someone shouldn't have been put to death for stealing a boat. Right. So 
Knowing that history, um, the Whaley House in San Diego is known to be haunted by not only Yankee Jim, but also the members of the Whaley family. Right. And before I knew I was a psychic medium, you know, I've, I've always loved the paranormal. I've always loved visiting haunted places. And so the Whaley house was definitely on my list. And so I went there with my husband. We were just having a good time, and it was during the day. And one of the other tourists um, in another part of the building was saying something like, come on, ghost, show, show us something. It's kind of like taunting the ghost, like, so right. you're supposed to be haunted, like, you know, knock this over. It was, he was kind of being a jerk about it. Right. And this voice, this voice, like, came up next to my ear and said, ghosts don't do parlor tricks. <laughs> and it, it, just, it just sent a shiver and a giggle, a uh, shiver down my spine, giggle. I'm like, thank you, Yankee Jim. You're right. You, you ghosts don't need to do bar- parlor tricks. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, every every ghost show, ghost hunter show has been to the Whaley House. And when I was a docent there, I think it was Ghost Hunters. That has the guy who yells at the ghosts a lot, right? I think. Yeah. I, or Ghost Dad, I think. One of them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, they we had um, they came to film late at night. And so we didn't have tours that night, but we were all hanging around and they the Whaley's were 1800s Americans you know very polite and proper and these guys go in there and they set up all these infrared cameras everywhere to try and catch things moving and stuff and he comes walking in and announces to the Whaley's show yourself and all this the <laughs> the alarm kept going off and we're like <laughs> the alarm isn't set but the whole alarm, whoop, 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 and, and the alarm wasn't set. And they would go put on the code again, and it would turn back off. And then he would yell at him again, and the alarm would come back on. And it was so funny. We were like, Mr. Whaley's like, excuse me, <laughs> please leave. Oh, <laughs> Who let this guy I in? I love it. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was so oh. funny. And so many haunted things happen at the Whaley house all the time, mm-hmm. but you're rude, mm-hmm. so they didn't show them anything. <laughs> That's you right. Know, just that's right. Out. So, We're just turning on the alarm. <laughs> so just be nice. So all you ghost hunters out there, don't be rude. Just be nice and polite, and then the ghost will exactly. chat with you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just be polite. That's all. They just want to hang right. out. They don't. They don't want to be attacked. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, I oh, love. Yeah. I, I love. I love visiting haunted places. Um, uh, USS Hornet up in the Bay Area is also very haunted. Had another experience up there where I just walked down, my husband and I walked down to um, the mess hall, and we just got, like, this waft, this, like, ghostly smell of a locker room, which is not pleasant. Oh, um, that is not it, pleasant. You know, <laughs> not, it's not pleasant, but it was so pervasive that, you know, even my husband was able to, to pick up on it as well, and it kind of followed us around for a little bit, um, and we, weren't, we were the only ones in the space, and it wasn't until we got to the upper hangar that the, the smell kind of left, but we had phantom smells at the USS Mm -hmm. Hornet. Oh, my gosh. Very cool. I used to tell people coming through the Whaley house because sometimes they would smell cigar smoke, which was Mr. Whaley. Um, But Mm -hmm. they, you know, that thing about smells that people don't think about that, but that's like the easiest way for, you know, 
spirit energy to let you know they're around because when you smell it, you know, it's not like Mm -hmm. seeing a shadow and talking yourself out of it. A smell, you can't talk yourself out of that. You know what you smell, (laughs) you know? That's right. Yeah. It's a lot more tangible and you can't dismiss it. Right. 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 Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. people talk about when they lose a family member and then they get in the car and smell their perfume, you know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. You, you can't you can't dismiss that. There's no way that could be there except that grandma came to say, I love you. You know, I think it's that's cool. right. A hundred percent agree. Yes. So I was also poking around on your website and I got very excited when I saw that there is a Christmas horror flash fiction that you're in (laughs) called shallow waters. I was like, Oh, I need to get this one too. You want to tell everybody? I didn't even realize that there was Christmas flash fiction horror. I I just think that's fantastic. Yeah. So um, aside from my publisher, Bridges Gate Press, which is phenomenal um, small press publishers, there's another publisher that I work with a lot, which is called Crystal Lake Publishing and they're based in South Africa. And they do um, a lot of support for horror writers. They have a Patreon page where they host um, monthly challenges for flash fiction for authors to participate in. So they'll do like a theme month of like, you know, water horror or environmental horror or, you know, if it's Valentine's Day, you know, romantic horror. And so (laughs) within 1,500, in 1,500 words or less, we all kind of post, a story that they choose and then we all get to read each other's stories and then we get to, you know, the, each author votes on their favorite and their favorite gets um, in, you know, selected in some of these anthologies that they then put together. And so the Christmas anthology, um, I've got a story in there called Mrs. Claus, which is kind of based on an, a world that I created in my short story collection called Spreckles. So basically think, um, Santa's workshop gone awry. <laughs> and so there's a quota, there's quotas that need to be made and you don't want to piss off Santa. So that's kind of where my, my short story kind of comes from. Whole collection, they've got a Halloween collection as well. And then they've got, um, I think, nine different Shallow Waters anthologies collected from, I think, the, the ones that vote, were voted the best each month get put into the anthology. And so there's Again, like I said, the Christmas one is themed, the Halloween one is themed, and then they've got like seven others that are non-themed um, just based on the best um, voted on by their peers. Wow, how fun. I love that. And it's kind of yeah. cool to know that your peers, you know, enjoyed your work. That's that's kind of cool too. A hundred percent. And it's a, it's a really great supportive environment. Um, you know, Crystal Lake Publishing is the first publisher to publish my work. They're the first one to pay me for my work. Um, they've given a lot of encouragement, and everybody in the community is so loving and supportive. Like, I don't think my collection would have been out at all. I don't think I would have finished it, and I don't think it would be as good as it is. I might pat myself on my own back if it wasn't for the support of the authors from the Crystal Lake um, community. I love that. Can readers join that Patreon and read there, or is it only for writers? Yeah, no, anyone can join the Patreon. Um, I think it's only like five bucks a month or less even. There's different tiers, just like with every mm-hmm. Patreon. Right. Um, but you can go to crystallakepublishing.com, I think is their website, and you can check out their Patreon page from there. 
Oh, nice. So everyone who's listening, go check that out. If you love horror, I love being able, I, I love being able to support Patreons anyway. I have one. I, I think it's a great way for any kind of artist or creative to, you know, help be able to get groceries and covers and things like that for their books. Um, <laughs> so yeah, anyway, 100%. everyone should go, go check it out um, because that sounds really fun and active and a way to find new voices that you maybe didn't know it existed that's right and it, it you know reading other people's stuff you know if if, if you're a writer you have to read and it's helpful yes. to know you know how people are, are writing now and it's one thing to get familiar with the classics you know the Stephen King's the Anne Rice the Clive Barker's but you know what are people doing now and so um, a lot of the writers in the Patreon group are published professionals in the horror community now. Um, and so it's always great to just kind of, you know, network, but also see what some of the trends are and see, see what some of the styles are and how people are stretching the limits of um, writing horror. Yes, I love that. Well, um, <laughs> I also, I, I really want to know, do you like also to watch horror? Are there really cool because now that there's Netflix, there's really interesting things that never would have made it, you know, onto because movies and theater distribution is so expensive. But, but like, um, Archive 81 on Netflix was so amazing. And there was another movie I watched on there, The Wind. Oh, so creepy. Um, <laughs> are there cool horror things that you enjoy that we should be watching? Yeah, so I'm not one of the slasher. I don't like jump scare type horrors, right. but I like the long, Lucky. creepy stuff. Like yes. the, the Others was one of my favorite, no. one of my favorite movies yes. of all time. Love that movie. Yes, I um, love that movie too. I just, right, I just finished Nope. I'm, I'm a little behind on that. Or I'm sorry, Get Out. I just finished Get Out. I know, I know, I know I'm, I'm behind on that. Um, but <laughs> as far as Netflix goes, I really liked um, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Um, oh, I have that harkens. That. Oh, so good. That harkens back. Speaking of Tales from the Crypt, that's a very elevated um, version, I think, of a Tales from the Crypt series. And I just, I love it because it's short stories. Um, right. It's really well done. It's it's beautifully shot. Um, the stories, some of them are gory, some of them are weird, but they're all creepy in that good creepy kind of way. Right. Um, and so I would highly recommend that. Okay, well, that's on my list. That sounds great. Um, yeah, I like it to be spooky and atmospheric more than jump out and get me. Although, I will say that American Horror Story did a season, I think it's called 1984, that was like an homage to all of the slasher movies of the 80s. And that, nice. the writers on that did such a good job. I mean, it had comic blood like Friday the 13th movies, but the writers on that, I cried at the end. I'm like, I am crying. at, <laughs> But it was it was so heartfelt and good. <laughs> it took place at a camp, you know, and for some reason, anyone who dies there is a ghost trapped there. And so anyway, it was fantastic. I was shocked. It was, it was very, very good. Yeah. So highly recommend American Horror Story. All the seasons are great, but that one in particular was a big surprise. Big punch in the seals there at the end. 
But I mean, and that's good. That's what that's what horror is supposed to do. You know, it's not just about you know scaring people. It's about kind of hitting some visceral emotion. It leaves like an imprint, so that you can yeah. walk away even days later and just still have the feels for it. Yes, that's the mark yes. of good art. And I think that a lot of times people associate horror with blood and guts, but it's really a way to experience those emotions without ever being in danger. That's why I enjoy horror. I enjoy being scared, but not in real life. I want to be safe while I'm being scared, if that makes sense. That's right. (laughs) And, and, you know, my perspective is, you know, in horror, having this avenue to explore our fears, hang out with our fears, roll around with our fears means that it has less of a grip on us, you know? So if we face right. it and we kind of live in it, it's, it's not as oppressive. Um, right. And so I find horror to be very healing and very cathartic. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, we're going to rapidly run out of time here. I can't believe it. But anyway, this was so much fun. You should definitely come back. But <laughs> Oh, thank you. I absolutely I will. Yay. Okay. I wanted to ask you, uh, you have 13 stories in your anthology and I'm going to do the mean, awful thing everyone does to authors and ask you, which one's your favorite? Oh, I knew it. <laughs> um, the last, the last one, the gathering is a story within a story. So the, the premise is these spooky ghouls and goblins gather at this one hollow at the um, longest night of the year and they share their best scary human story. So how they were kind of appalled by or victimized by humans for the year. And there's a prize at the end and it's a lot of fun. Ah, I love it. (laughs) Okay. Well, everyone run out and grab They Hide Short Stories to Tell in the Dark by Francesca Maria. It's available everywhere. Go grab it. And thank you so much for being here today. It was great chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Yeah, we'll do it again for sure. Maybe Halloween. (laughs) Oh, I would love that. I'd love that. See you later. All right. Take care. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers. So, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 